0: What's up? <laughs> Are you so
1: excited for this drink? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It smells
0: good. Like
1: I haven't actually assembled mine yet, so
0: I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah. Well, um, But I will say, I did do my cardinal rule, which is that I didn't have lime, but I had lime seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see what that train (laughs) looks like
1: (laughs) so it's it's lime seltzer coca-cola and tequila and salt apparently and salt i know i put salt in mine which
0: stirred with a knife
1: as the guy said (laughs) So i appreciated that part Hey Sweet. guys,
0: welcome to Theology on the Rocks. We're back. We're back again. Christy decided she had other friends.
1: <laughs> you know what? It's not all the time. Oh shit! I just spilled. Sorry. Now I'm. Cussing. What was that? What was
0: that, yes. ma'am?
1: I just spilled tequila, um, on my laptop. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's okay. Um, it was well, not. It,
0: it, is it though? Yes, it, it was
1: not. <laughs> like a vital part and it was only a drop so
0: <laughs> just on like the left keys
1: which it's just, just, it's just the, the m key so <laughs> who, who spells anything with the
0: letter m mm-hmm. not me not not e, e. <laughs> um yes yeah, so you uh last week had a friend in town and y'all went to disney world
1: we did. We went to Epcot. I'm oh, sorry. Well, it's, it's just It's all. same. It's all. Yeah. You're still right. Um, but we went to Epcot because, um, she. <laughs> she was like, "Well, you don't like rides because I don't like roller coasters." Like at so all? Like,
0: just like against? Are you scared of them, or do they just make you feel barfy, or both?
1: All of it. The whole experience is terrible. Okay. In my estimation. Um, but she likes roller coasters, so she was like, I didn't want to go to Magic Kingdom and want to ride the rides, and you wouldn't ride the rides. Well, I don't know when the last time you were at Magic Kingdom was, but those roller coasters are not designed to be, like, scary in any way, shape, or form.
0: I think that's where the... Is that where the Star Wars thing is? Because I was just there.
1: No. The Star Wars one is at Hollywood. Okay. Well, that's... Okay. Yeah. Which, again, also... There's one roller coaster, it's the Hollywood one that I did because my friend Aaron made me and the picture that Disney took, you know, like there's a place where they take your picture. Yep. Is
0: how to go. Glamour shot.
1: It is pretty hilarious.
0: So that means you have to put it on the internet now.
1: (laughs) If I can find it, I will put it up because I look like my soul has come out of my body. Maybe so. (laughs) <laughs> Baby stuff. Anyway, I do the rides at Magic Kingdom. Is the point of that story? So I told her. But you
0: say th- they're not even really rides. So
1: there, it's mostly like getting a is it like the teacups, teacup or <laughs> a form of, <laughs> of vehicle, and then like enjoy a weird animatronics version of the movie. Like I love the rides at Disney because I can do them all because I'm not except. For I will the tell you. You talk round. about do that.
0: Being scared on a ride. You put my ass on the teacups, all
1: butts are, like te- are off. Not like the All butts <laughs> are off. Like this is this is the weird thing, is I hate roller coasters with a fiery passion. I love the teacups.
0: The ones that spin you around. Yes. Are you crazy? I know. It's
1: amazing. They're so much fun. I would they do it. They
0: make me feel like I am going to barf, <laughs> get a migraine, and maybe <laughs> cuss out a child all
1: at the same time. <laughs> But- i will i will do the teacups all day every day i love them so i love spinning. i can't believe
0: you don't like the roller coaster but you'll spin yourself I'll, into non-existent i'll
1: spin myself right out of this world but no never i don't like so it's falling. just the
0: heights i guess it's the yeah.
1: heights it's the height and it's the falling sensation i'm just really not a fan of it so isn't it funny that we
0: decided that that's what's going to be amusement is we're like the thing i'm we- close to death <laughs> Well, that's it. The thing that we spend all of our life trying to avoid, they're like, come do it. And oh, by the way, just trust us. We've got
1: this. Trust that it's not, it's not going to, you're not going to get flung off. So you
0: spend, like I've now spent 41, well, I'm not going to count the baby years, but like some odd amount of years trying to keep myself from dying. And then they're just, I'm just supposed to trust.
1: I know. This is what I don't understand. Who I don't know. I don't understand about people who enjoy roller coasters. Although well, we do yeah, get on airplanes, which is kind of the same concept. Yeah, I mean, I mean but I have to take medicine for that. I, I will know. remind us both of the time we rode a Ferris wheel at Carolina Oh, beach. gosh.
0: <laughs> I can't believe you did that. So for my birthday, we went to uh, Carolina Beach, which is a beach. And um, we... Well, most of us got on this Ferris wheel because it seemed okay.
1: It did. At the the start, it seemed okay. At the start,
0: it seemed okay.
1: And it's not one of the two-person ones where you're, like, just staring into your death. It's one of the, like, bucket ones, you know, which I usually do a better with. She and I gripped
0: the center
1: pole (laughs) on
0: because I, like, here's what I, I don't mind roller coasters. I can do them, but whatever is happening needs to happen fast. <laughs> and the thing, so like, I don't have to think too much about it because mine is like the buildup. Yeah. So like, um, we went when we went to that place at disney they had the drop thing what was it tower of terror yeah and i was like i'm not doing that because it's the exact opposite because they're it's like yeah you're like
1: maybe this time but maybe no. this time
0: we're gonna fall yeah, and i'm like no. no i just need to go up and fall that's yeah. what needs to happen so but uh come to find out despite it being slow a ferris wheel is terrible <laughs> because it
1: also goes it, it, it you just think about it you're just up high and for, it just, like, and then a it just long there. You're just time. hanging out up there. And they made us go around so many times. Which most people would be really happy about. We were not. We were, like, begging them to let us off.
0: <laughs> we would go around. And the guy was like, yay! Like, you get to go around again. Cause and we'd be like, no! Were there. And Christy and I were like, let
1: us off. <laughs> and your the friends rest. are, like, cracking up the whole time. because they're. I just- know. They
0: were so uncomfortable. Even our friend Susie who's in a a group chat with us was just like I don't get it like what's happening right (laughs) now (laughs) why are you two
1: absolutely dying yeah I don't like heights that's that's been my lifelong issue with everything people think is fun I'm like I don't want to be up here (laughs) I bungee
0: jumped in Panama City Beach Florida Mm -mm. once after I got my belly button pierced oh my god (laughs) and I know I was not I will not say how old I was so um (laughs) but (laughs) I I went up there and this is in the day where I did have a little bit of like a streak of like I'm I'm invincible because you know you're a teenager Mm -hmm. and uh but I did tell the guy I said you're gonna have to push me but I'm not gonna be mad at you (laughs) and and he goes well I can't do that I said no I legally
1: cannot push you
0: (laughs) but I said no hear me out though my guy I was like (laughs) uh I'll get like real close to the edge but like even if you blow on me aggressively like that will be fine (laughs) you just need to make me actually go over (laughs) So he, here he sort of he just came behind me, and then I just bent my knees and just like did the saddest little like fall over. <laughs> it was like you know how people like do the jump where they like spread their arms out, yeah, and they're like ah. Oh. Just imagine the the infant the the fetus version of that.
1: So there's um Mindy Kaling wrote a book. Her fir- well, she's written several now, but her first like memoir book. And in the beginning of this, she describes a scenario when she was a child, when she climbed to the top of a like diving thing at a lake and thought that she could just climb back down. And they were like, no, you have to, you have to jump. And she says that she just kind of fell instead of jumping. Yeah. And the way I, I'm not going to do this justice. So I'm just saying, go look this up. But the way she describes her body just kind of, like, limply falling
0: off. <laughs> That's exactly what mine was. <laughs> is
1: how I'm, like, picturing you. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it was... I I got up and I... So I had done a very common, like, redneck activity is to go quarry jumping, is what we call it, uh-huh. which is deeply um, unsafe. Case, <laughs> so don't do it. But, like, it's basically where you jump. Like, so there's a lot of quarries that fill with water. Some of them are water, like, holders. You see... Um, a famous Isn't one it? in atlanta that's in like um a bunch of movies Isn't anyway this
1: how that a kid died in one of those like teenage rom-coms in the beginning I'm, like walk to sh- remember or something i'm sure a lot of them did
0: oh <laughs> the one with reese witherspoon man in the moon is it I maybe think.
1: i don't know i just remember I kids going and, and well it was in the beginning of the movie that i don't remember
0: so Oh, maybe it's not that one, but yeah, no, it's incredibly dangerous partially because well, one you're it's incredibly high, um, but also you're, you don't know what's going on underneath. Yeah. So you could be like, anyway, we did it often. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, and, and I did it once and, um, it was so funny because I was, uh, actually quite older at this stage I was off my parents insurance so it's like 26 or something and I know right we were (laughs) knitting in it and I did it and my friend Sarah was climbing back up because that's another thing that they don't tell you is you got to get back up to where you started yeah because that's usually where like your cars are (laughs) um and when I did I stepped on a rock that broke and I fell in the water and I thought oh like that sucks I gotta start all over again I looked down and I have sliced okay gross alert y'all if you don't like it fast forward I sliced my foot like in on the side Uh, where it was like flapping on either side
1: oh no oh that's terrible yeah
0: so then (laughs) me and my friend Anna who that day by the way is the twin of Sarah had gotten in a car wreck, oh, no. who also didn't <laughs> wasn't on the insurance. We went to Walmart. She had a black eye and like scratches on her face, and I had a flapping uh, foot where I was hobbling while it was bleeding through a s- multiple socks. Where we were in Walmart just getting band aids. No hospital. <laughs> we had no money. We couldn't I understand have done that, it.
1: but you could have lost your foot. Where, where was this as a 40 year old He's like
0: where was I supposed to actually my mom's a nurse who works at a hospital. So these answer... but I didn't want but here's the key. You don't want them to know. You don't want them to know. I've so the options there. are very slim. <laughs> so I swear she and I rocked up to this Walmart in Georgia. With like just like bandages, we it was like some mummy costume <laughs> that we were assembling, and the woman looked at us. And I kid you not, she had a black eye and scratches, and I had blood all over my shirt from my foot. Oh my and God. and she just was like, "How y'all doing?"
1: That woman <laughs> is mentally taking pictures of you guys and thinking, when the police come later, I'll be able to describe them. So well.
0: <laughs> it was just. Such oh an advertisement gosh. for universal health care. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, it is. So
0: to this day, I will show you. I have a gigantic scar on my foot wow. from that event. And um, oh. yeah. Well, was...
1: hey, cheers.
0: Hey, have you hey, had this cheers. yet? <laughs> Guys, we're doing the badonga. I know. That's yeah, funny. I don't know
1: what it's called. I put it on the Instagram. That's a,
0: the way he says it, he has a real emphasis on the front, like a batanga A tanga. Yeah. This was given to us by our friend and my former colleague, uh Helen. Helen from Saver of Lives, Best of Friends. Mover of Offices for me multiple times in my early academic years, when I had no (laughs) effing clue what I was doing.
1: I'm gonna say this and I mean it with the most seriousness that you could possibly say it. The only reason that I managed to get through my entire phd on like an administrative level is helen
0: helen is an administrator at university of glasgow okay. She, okay oh go
1: ahead she saved i got like administratively withdrawn at one point for some reason i can't remember why and like she would go in and Being fix a it jerk. And, like put me back in this, this i mean she <laughs> she kept me in that program ages so thank you <laughs> cheers to helen here
0: cheers to helen helen who became my friend because she said i did what she asked me to do
1: <laughs> yes which
0: feels at a job a very basic level thing <laughs> welcome to academics cheers yep. helen <laughs> yep <laughs> cheers oh it's good
1: i don't i oh. don't know that- oh Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know that I put enough tequila.
0: I'm not sure I put enough Coke. We're on different ends of the spectrum.
1: <laughs> like, I'm only taste tasting Coke. Coke, really.
0: I'm only tasting tequila. <laughs> <laughs> and the salt. I may mean, went a little southern on the salt, salt <laughs> situation.
1: <laughs> I feel really like I need to put more tequila in here, which... It feels like also a bad idea but you should I'm do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah.
0: Cause I want you to be where I am and what <laughs> happens is is that the Coke loses Oop. any cokeness.
1: The Coke loses Coke
0: It doesn't taste I didn't think there was anything that could de sweeten a Coke. But
1: it's it's stealing.
0: to this yeah to this level. Like the Coke feels like it's just a neutral vehicle at this stage, which I never <laughs> thought Coke would be. I'm also going to put more salt in here. I mean, why not? Then you're just going into Margaritaville if you do that, but I mean, that's fine also.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's see.
0: Is this better? Oh, oh my goodness. I think you shouldn't be allowed to have alcohol today. (laughs)
1: You know what else I did today, which I'm most mad about? Did you drink this before you tell me the story? I did. It's better. It. I can taste slightly more tequila. It's not just like I'm drinking a Coke. Okay. Well, I like it. I'm a fan. I'm not sure yet. We'll, well <laughs> I don't It doesn't... It, we'll all see I how, is the how tequila. I Well, yeah, I, I, I still mostly taste... I don't know what you're doing wrong. Maybe my tequila is just not very... Strong. I did
0: a double shot.
1: I mean, I... Technically, now have three shots in this sucker. So
0: here's the deal. I did use my fancy tequila.
1: You did. Like not fancy, but like
0: my, you know how you get about me having the gin that I have?
1: Yeah. You have good tequila. I I don't really have good tequila, but it's fine. It's not, it's not what I would have bought in college.
0: (laughs) The problem with good tequila, which I think is maybe unique among the spirits is the better it gets, the less you taste it. Which is a bad thing. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) So I'm just sitting here being like, oh, it just tastes like I'm drinking liquid. (laughs) That's where the the danger comes in. Well, let's
1: see how it goes when I'm at the bottom of this and if I'm, like, just falling off this couch. I decided, because I just moved, and I have to find a Chinese food place. So I was like, I'm going to go get Chinese food for dinner before the podcast. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I ordered Chinese food off of the apps, whatever. I don't remember which one. And it was really, it was honestly really bad. And I don't know that I've had really bad Chinese food in a long time. Like, since Skull. How do you, yeah, since Skull. I mean, here in the US, how do you mess up Chinese food, really? Um, well, I can tell you the place because I accidentally got food from there again tonight.
0: Did you? <laughs> Because the last you just, time I had you go it delivered, in, you go in person, okay. and this time
1: I went in person, so it just did not click until I got home, and I was like putting it into onto a plate, and I was looking at it, and I was like, "Oh no!" And sure, uh- it's the worst Chinese food I've ever had in my life, and now so I'm- now you've had it again. Was right. it just as bad this time? Yep, it was even maybe worse. Honestly, there's it's really truly horrible. So, oh no. <laughs> very sad
0: about it. <laughs> well, here is here is my food story of the day. And I hinted at this in the group chat. I have had difficulty understanding my husband recently about <laughs> life things. And I don't know, it, it you know, you live with I've been living with him now for like a decade and there's just some things that miss the mark cuz usually we're like right on with each other. Yeah. So he made a casserole and all of my cats are pretty good about, like, not being on the counters except for one. I'll let you guess which one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beethoven, Beethoven, who is right. a psychotic terrorist. So, we made a casserole, And then, Stuart needed to go do something. And I said, okay. I said, well, we're going to need to put that up. Because he will straight up shove his face into it. <laughs> he like, will. he is. We came in from to a scene where we had just taken stuff out for Thanksgiving I went to the bathroom Christy for number one and I came back and it looked like a zombie had attacked the these rolls that were in a bag it was carnage oh my god and it's just him sitting there and then he just walks away he doesn't even care so I said you know we need to put this casserole up so I'm sitting on the couch and he goes yeah like Okay, I went ahead and put it um, in the fridge, but this was several minutes down the line. And I said, Okay, I said, Stuart, I said, You can't put a cat in a fridge. (laughs) But I was, there was no joking. I legit (laughs) thought, because the last thing I had said was Beethoven will get the food. And then he said, said, I put put it in the fridge. And I jerked my head around. And I said, Stuart, you can't put the cat in the fridge. And he said, for a moment, Leah, you thought about it. Because <laughs> I could see you like kind of think about it, and then you just went into like moral crusader mode. And he said, what are you talking about? And then He said, I put the casserole in the fridge, not the cat. (laughs) And I went, Oh, oh, that makes so much work. And you were. I was sober. sober. I was stone cold sober. Maybe I should should. put Beethoven in the fridge. There was a moment where I thought, Would he die? He's very furry. The fridge is pretty low, like, but not that. It's not the freezer. He didn't put him in the freezer. freezer. And it was only going to be for like two to three minutes. So there was. I I love that everyone's going to be calling Peta right now. I know, but it's just so funny because I just I did have a moment where I was like, "No, you can't." (laughs) (laughs) He
1: he looked at me like
0: I was nuts, and I (laughs) was. for a moment like, but he, yes. he laughed because he said the only reason that you thought that i did it was
1: because you had thought about doing it <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> i understand this is tracking for a minute yeah. <laughs> yep I... so that was the story about beethoven
0: <laughs> i love that so much <laughs> i know Ugh. hey guys
1: don't put your cats in don't put your cat in the freezer or in the fridge. or the freezer but don't put your cat knows. in cold places
0: I have a constant like fear that I'm the cats are in the they're obsessed with the washer dryer. And I'm, i have Oh yes. Yeah. I have I think it's probably from like horror movies of past that I no, have a real concern. I mean honestly
1: this is a thing I hear from a lot of people because cats really want to go in them and yeah. it's really dangerous because if you don't check
0: they drown or they fry themselves. Yeah, together. like
1: either way it is terribly. <laughs> Um, I know
0: and I have this vision where when stuff started they would just be not that they're ever quiet ever but that this would be the time when they decided to get quiet yeah like they just be like oh like this is fine that my body is like rotating and warming up like I'm not (laughs) upset about it at all I'm not gonna scream
1: you know this wouldn't happen with Penny um, because of who she is but my last dog Lizzie was the kind who would like sneak into rooms and you wouldn't necessarily know it. She was always hiding in places so if, but also she wasn't she wasn't ever going to make a sound. She got locked in in rooms and in closets many times and I would be like running around the house calling her name and she would just sit there quiet as a mouse until I happened to open the correct door. Drove me nuts. I was like, like or something. (laughs)
0: Right. Just accept this fate.
1: That's where I was like, (laughs) I would have been just so nervous about Lizzie hopping in there because she would have just hopped in there and then been quiet and then died.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I know. Well, guys, sorry to depress you on so many levels. (laughs) But um, we're back again. Welcome to Theology on the Rocks. and Today, we're talking about... It is Black History Month. It is Black History Month. Yeah. And so we're talking about Black, Black theology. theology. Yeah, feminist yeah. theology. And so um, I was thinking about this as I was running on the treadmill, as you do, mm-hmm. uh, when you're trying not to think about how bad your decision making was to get on the treadmill. Is <laughs> that I was thinking, I typically have written about... Um, the civil rights movement and done history of religion in the U S. So that's kind of my sort of strong point in terms of black theology. And I'm guessing yours is more in the kind of
1: systematic realm of that kind of. um, So I've done mostly uh, in terms of black theology, James Cone um, Mm. also womanism is, is really where I've found myself being mostly um yeah. and with that Katie Geneva Cannon who is probably top 3 favorite theologians for me like across the board Well now you have
0: to tell the other two Um
1: Cause... I'd have to think about it Okay, <laughs> okay. I like um, that you're
0: like, she's top three. I'm not sure who the other ones are. I don't
1: yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I have a commitment issue, so I don't want to say it first just in <laughs> case later something pops into my head, but like watch, watch out, Penny. <laughs> you might you might be in that dryer before you say. <laughs> um, but she's but she does what the same kind of thing that I do, only slightly differently. She did literature and theology. Um so a little bit of the mixture between systematics and the interdisciplinary um but yeah i mostly did did work with womanism in my book and in a lot of my research um in your book in my book which just got its edits all done so it's moving forward (laughs) meanwhile i'm
0: writing my third book and i hate it so
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i never want to look at my book again she was you the don't,
0: you don't have to the nice
1: copy editor lady was like, Do you want to look it through one more time? And I was like, Absolutely not. Thank you. No. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay. but yeah, it so that's what I mostly <clears throat> work on. Which yeah, obviously, like some of that also intersects with the civil rights movement and stuff, but um, my well, I was thinking maybe I could
0: start with like yeah. a little bit of the history and then Maybe we can just have a conversation. Yeah, I think that
1: that is the best plan. Yeah.
0: So I always, people always post stuff about Black History Month and everything. But one of the things that I do um, during that time is I try to find a new um, Black theologian that I've not heard of.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I can kind of look into their stuff a little bit. Yeah. and so this is going to fit in a little bit with the history because I found a woman. Awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like in my classes, at least when I teach, so I uh, historically have taught religion in American history, and of course uh, I talk about first indigenous peoples and their religious stuff, which is very diverse, but. Um, some of the common characteristics that exist. And then I talk about um, the slave uh, religions that were brought over, but also how they mixed with, or, you know, didn't with the Christian religions of the uh, slave owners, essentially, AKA colonists, but I mean, slave owners too. I'm not saying they all were, but there was yeah. a lot of them that were. There was a lot of them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and one of the things that uh, you come across with those early days uh, is either the this and the slaves have again this very broad, not at all nuanced um, category of African traditional religions, mm-hmm. which is um, a really that with indigenous religions is oftentimes just a catch-all for that group which is crazy to me <laughs> but <laughs> you know there are some shared stuff but anyway so what happened when the slaves were forcibly removed from their country and kidnapped and brought to the mm-hmm. us um is they there was kind of a full on rejection that's one option like so the the slaves practiced they may have on the surface practiced christianity but they were basically just you know performing and they yeah, practiced so and they really get killed yeah that's right. That's right. Um, cause apparently slave owners had a moral code, but we'll talk about that in a minute. In a minute. <laughs> right. Um, and then the second was, uh, they, uh, accepted Christianity kind of just, they just did. They just accepted it. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a minute. And then the other one was that they mixed Christianity with their own African traditional religions. Yes. And that's where you start to get some of like the the hoodoo and voodoo stuff yep. that, that comes out. Um, which is a mixture, a sanctuary and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so in those early days, that's kind of, but the, the focus with a lot of uh, Black theology is kind of that group that uh, accepted it, which kind of makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and what they did with it. And this is a question I have for you, and I always ask my students this, is in those beginnings, isn't it amazing that people, <laughs> you know, <or>, <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, come, God. In,
1: come here. There was a noise. Hey. Okay. Sorry. Continue. (laughs)
0: No, uh, I was, what do you, uh, this is the question. What do you think it was that drew or yeah, drew the the slave, uh, slaves to the
1: religion of their oppressors, essentially. I You know, it's a thing that I think about often because uh, it's um, one of the sections in my world religions class that i'm teaching the first kind of hey stop it <laughs> literally humans existing is very upsetting to her i um, mean same with zero but his work <laughs> would make us all think we're dying he's got a very german shepherd bark. <laughs> anyway. um we we do indigenous religions which again mm-hmm. you cannot do like properly in a week, but we just basically look at two as kind of examples. And one of them is Yoruba, mm. um, which is a West African indigenous religion um, from Nigeria primarily. And the survival of Yoruba, and then it, it ends up like growing considerably. So it's actually quite a large religion at this point today. But like looking at it, and talking about, like, why it survived, um, and again, as you mentioned earlier, the way that it kind of combines with, especially with Catholicism, uh, to help kind of birth um, voodoo, and especially Caribbean or Haitian voodoo, it's like, okay, so let's look at the reasons why this is helpful, and I think it's it's fascinating to see the kind of obvious similarities between Mm. Yoruba and Christianity um, in this idea of like there's an all-powerful absolute God and then there are other beings who are helpful which Yoruba talks about as like lower being or lower lower gods but Christianity kind of uses as like angels or saints or Mm -hmm. you know and so it would have been easy for be enslaved people to to pretend to be Christian but the longer you're doing that the more that kind of stuff is going to seep in too you know yeah. um yeah everyone also, gets so
0: freaked out whenever uh I said you want to go to the voodoo there's a voodoo museum in new orleans and they go and, in and there's like all these catholic saints <laughs> and yeah, i'm like cause they, you? <laughs> they're just
1: they they were like these these basically work for what we thought were those lower gods yeah mm-hmm Um, And I think that it's a really interesting thing to think about, like, people, especially people who are in horrible situations like that are obviously going to turn to the things that give them some amount of hope or strength Mm -hmm. or at at the very least, like, I'm going to die, but here's the comfort I'm clinging to, you know, Um, and to see how closely related the two religions are anyway I think it, it makes a lot of sense that many of them were like, okay, this one works too. Like this yes. is practicing and not to belittle their conversions. I don't think it was like just a convenience factor, but it's not like you're asking them to convert from, you know, Hinduism to Christianity, right? a wildly different religion. Um,
0: and the hope factor I think is, you know, because yeah. um, i when I teach, I teach that there was like the official churches. So like the slave owners would Mm -hmm. um, have them go to official separate churches, but Mm -hmm. they would use um, a lot of these churches would use something called the Jefferson Bible. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, um, it basically is a edited Bible that takes out passages. And I always say, what would this in my class? I'm like, what would the slaves what would the slave owners not want the slaves to see? Yeah. And they're always pretty good about being like Exodus. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just took out a lot of the stuff that was like about freedom. And of course yeah. a lot of Jesus's teachings. But then um, as the years pass and they, they get their hands on the actual, you know, text mm-hmm. that is uh, not been edited. You know, these underground churches start to emerge you know, I can see how they would be converted because all of a sudden, you know, God's chosen people are yeah. enslaved. Yeah. And God saves them. Yeah. You
1: know, well, and I think this too is um, like Judaism and its concern with people being in exile and, and being enslaved or being oppressed and how God cares for them and helps them out of that and all that um, is obviously very appealing.
0: Yeah, you know, 100%. Um, and, I mean, and not this is going to be a word we use a lot, liberate, <laughs> liberate. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those sort of early days of the slave churches and it becoming a place you started to get preachers and all of this and everything done in secret. And it was just uh, it was amazing how they thrived and having been to a contemporary mm-hmm. black church you know, people always talk about uh, the, di- you know, the differences and how, you know, segregated Sundays are and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a different feeling when you go to this. It's like you're back there in some ways. Like, yeah. There's a lot of joy and freedom and preaching on freedom and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that you can see that it is a unique sort of yeah.
1: aspect of the black church. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it is, it's, I think it brings over still a lot of the cultural. Because again, if you look at like how religious ceremonies are performed in Africa too, there's, you can see a lot of that cultural stuff, obviously different, but the roots of it are still there, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and too, I think this also kind of comes back to the fact that the very earliest church moved into Northern Africa. Before it moved up to Europe, um, and you know, there's there were quite a few of those early Christians, and like Coptic Christians still exist, which is an extremely old denomination of Christianity. Um, all of it in Africa. So I think it's it. We have a tendency to think that like Africa wasn't exposed to Christianity until the missionaries started going and whatever year the missionary started going <laughs> well that was kind of <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever that happened it, but depends like...
0: on, it depends on you know one man's missionary is another man's uh you know, colonizer yeah and, you know, well and
1: exactly it's like the missionaries and the colonizers are coming on the same boat um
0: that's right i mean and i think that's something too that became uh that when we my students are oftentimes shocked is that they use theology to justify slavery which uh-huh. you know uh is it's interesting because then the slaves flip the script on that so the slave yeah. owners would would say you know well I mean there was a variety of things they said hashtag bad theology guys yep um <laughs> that you know oh well they'll never know Jesus which again based on what you just said is probably um not correct because
1: <laughs> yeah you know like they've they've had Christianity longer than Europe you know right um, I can't remember when I or where I saw this um, but there's a conversation going on about like oh well, when the missionaries brought Christianity to Ethiopia and they're like we already had it like it was there yeah. before you guys got it you know so yeah there's and,
0: some quote that I'm I can't remember but it was yeah. like God was already here yeah they say they brought God but God was already, God here. Was already here
1: Yeah, all, all they were really bringing was a European culture and mm-hmm. um, and then stealing people kidnapping them yeah 100%. so yeah. yeah well and then i think too um you know that understanding that makes it like clear that the kind of christianity that would have been being practiced um, during slavery would have been really fo- like very much more similar to again the kind of jewish theology very like prophet Oriented kind of stuff. So they're talking about very different themes and theology. So then when you get into the civil rights movement, they already had a lot of that developed. Um yeah,
0: because that was um Jim Cohn's James Cohn's thing is like uh yeah, prophets, Exodus prophets and Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. the those sort of those are the things that that tended because those were the, the again the liberating. Elements, But I need to tell you before we get into yes. civil rights group, two things. One uh, is there's a, a great documentary by Rich Hall, who is a Southern comedian operates mostly in the UK. Um, but he does, he did a documentary called the dirty South and it's on YouTube. Okay. And you can watch it and it talks about religion and how, um, you know, religion was kind of in some ways, well, it talks, it, the main focus is the South and like how the South has been portrayed in media and all of this stuff to where there is this caricature. Some of it is true and some of it, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da is a yeah. little over the top. Um, yeah. But he does focus on that kind of early uh, the slave churches and how Christianity deeply influenced the South because a lot of times people think of religion in the south they think white evangelicalism but actually the the black church deeply important to things like you know rock and roll and mm-hmm. you know music and um but also uh this idea of the that the civil rights movement wouldn't have existed without the church so he is very firm yeah. in saying every movement every law that got passed, every protest that occurred, they organized in the churches. The churches Mm -hmm. were the center. And that's why the people tried to blow up the churches. The the white people, the assholes, basically. Because that's where they went to organize. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting that the church became not only this place of hope in the early days that they could have for themselves, but also became this headquarters for freedom mm-hmm. as the years continued to grow. Yeah. So that's one. But the two is my theologian. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to um, get this up because I took like a screenshot. Um, so Octavia Albert. Have you heard of Octavia Albert? I had not.
1: I have not. Tell me more. So... Oh, I need
0: my glasses, Christy.
1: <laughs> Leah Lea got reading glasses and it's changed her life and they're very cute. Thank you.
0: She <laughs> sees me on polo when I'm pulling her and I'm like, nope, I'll take them off. And then I'm like, this world nope. sucks. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, so basically, Octave, this is what drew me to this person is that So this is in the reconstruction era. So basically this is post civil war. The Mm -hmm. South has been basically obliterated and people are a lot of, of, you know, the slave, the slaves are free if, unless you're in Texas and, um, you know, they're free in Texas. I just don't know yet, but, um, a lot of, uh, people of color flee, former slaves flee to like the North Chicago, oftentimes that, that area, um, but then some stay, you know, and actually a lot of, yeah, them a lot stay, them, yeah, cause that's their home. And yeah. so this is during the reconstruction era. Uh, Octavia Albert is in Louisiana. So she decides to stay and her house actually becomes this place where she sits with people and she talks with people and she's basically an oral historian and Absolutely. she takes their history. Um, and she talks with them, not only about their history, but she's deeply, deeply religious. So she talks to them about Christianity. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is a quote from her. She says, and she writes, I should say, she writes this book called The House of Bondage.
1: Okay. And
0: it's published in the 1890s. And it's out of copyright. And I'll put this up on, on the website. Um, yeah. So you can actually read it on the, the internet. The I was internet. reading parts of it. And it's amazing. So she's getting all these stories and so much theology. It's so rich in theology. Yeah. But basically she was just inviting people over and saying, talk to me about yeah. this. So she says, this is a quote. When I pause and think over the harsh punishments of the slaves by the whites, many of whom profess to be Christians, I am filled with amazement. We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren in parentheses, the white people. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, and it says, Albert, this is not a quote. It says, Albert didn't have a title in the Academy or the church, but like many women in our congregation, she bleeds Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's from Nana Dulce, Dulce, Dulce. Ooh, fun last name, Dulce. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was my person. And so I was started to read her stuff that was online and it's just, I'm, I love storytelling. I think it's a part of being yeah. upfront, but she, she does it so well. And just the faith of the people who were watching these self professed Christians, just mm-hmm. be absolute monsters. Yeah. The, the human race.
1: And then to continue to keep the faith is just, that's fantastic. I really, I really, yeah. like I'm going to go look that up for sure. Cause Um, I think that one of the things that draws me to like Katie um, Cannon and uh, and also just generally the literature and theology is the idea of hearing people's theology through their stories rather than, Mm. you know, Mm. as as we know, systematics can be a bit dry. What time to time, Christine, you know, it's a it's a shock that I would say Shocking. such a little thing, but <laughs>
0: but disembodied theology could be a bit dry. <laughs> <laughs> Tell
1: me more. Okay, but, continue but,
0: continue on my rant. You know, to,
1: to look at stories of people or stories that people are telling and understand how they're viewing God and the world in general through those stories, I think is it's it's very impactful and it's more clear what's going on with, especially in these kinds of situations, you know, they can't sit down and write church dogmatics in, for multitude of reasons. They mostly just, they don't have time to do that, you know? And so instead we get stories and they, there's teachings through stories and teachings through, you know, rituals and things like that. And then like later, we have this breadth of amazing Black theologians, but but they're not the first time. Like James Cone is not the first Black theologian, you know.
0: No, no. Um, and, and I I think too, it's 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 one of these things that based on what you just said, what if we did take some of these dog like church dogmatics and take it as theology in a context, which I say all theology we, yeah, special, and it should like, be. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, like the work of Octavia, it becomes systematics, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: Because it's a, it's, it's legit
1: because I mean, as much as you say, all theology is practical theology. I also think that all theology is systematic theology. It's just how we organize our systematics looks different. You know, you just, it's being written in a different way, but there's still all of that same stuff. It still has the same intelligence and all that we just get, Snotty about things, but you I'm sorry know. You, you dropped
0: out there when you said all theology. I didn't hear anything after that.
1: Oh, all theology is just kidding. Is, is all theology is also contextual theology? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm,
0: joking, I'm joking. You can't
1: understand Bart outside of his context. Oh, hundred percent. Have to know what he is speaking to. You can't understand you anybody. Know about that, that context. person
0: that was living in the house, right? That lady, right?
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, Blum,
0: blah, blah. but like
1: this is what I really appreciate about what Canon does in her work because she was ultimately she was like very focused on her teaching as well and so a lot of her efforts were to make theology very teachable
0: mm-hmm.
1: and something that she could not just put in a book but take into a classroom and so she works through um, literature mostly Zora Neale Hurston, Um, and talking about the experiences as kind of a collective, like this is the experience that Black women have, we can see in these stories, you know? And then what do we get from that theology? She does it really well. Also, she, in one of her books, goes through a pretty significant section on chattel slavery and what would have happened to all of those people and the kind of horror and talks a lot about hope and stuff like that. And so by, by going through these stories and talking about these stories, I think, you know, developing not just what kinds of things we should do now, but understanding like why theology, why the church has always been such an integral part of the culture, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where I'm sort of moving, <laughs> not at all comparing, but um, as theology is storytelling, I think is kind of where I'm moving with, with my writing. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's interesting to, cause it's more human, you know, you're okay. getting the human aspect as opposed to, and in some ways, I guess it's, I am maybe being a little too harsh. Maybe that's what the Barts and the Bonhoeffer, well, no Bonhoeffer was doing it, but like the, the yeah, Paul Tillich. Tilix and all of that, yeah. Maybe that's what they were doing, you know. Like, I mean, to be fair, were telling their own stories, and we just much like a lot of stuff in canon, we <laughs> decided, oh, well, uh, this, this is the highest form of knowledge about God,
1: yeah. Know? I, I mean, I do, I think we do that so often. I tell my students this when we study Shakespeare, it's like Shakespeare was not Shakespeare. When he was writing, he was getting paid for stuff. They were like, here, write a play about this king. And he was like, okay, I will. And then I'm going to insert stuff you may not pick up on to make it my own. The Sistine Chapel was commissioned. Like they were all making money on these Mm. things. And then we are like, look at this inspired thing. Isn't it amazing? You know? Yeah. But it's not necessarily coming from the same kind of place of, of like genuine truth when it's those kinds of things that we tend to canonize, but that's just because they were popular and paid for. And this is my,
0: that's Christie's high church that was just speaking there. But my, (laughs) my my low church would say also that it could, it could still be inspired, but that's not really for us to, I guess we can discern it, but we can't know it.
1: I think it could be still inspired. I mean, like for sure. I, you know, I like, some of Shakespeare, not all of it. Um, I like <laughs> what's your least favorite Shakespeare? My least favorite Shakespeare? God, probably Hamlet, honestly.
0: Oh dang, girl. <laughs> Heavy hill.
1: So, I hate it so much. I was more a fan of his comedies, but like I feel like Kevin Taylor, if he's listening, just died in Kevin- like you're talking about I mean, Thomas like, Hardy. God, this woman should not have a degree in literature. Thomas
0: Hardy all over again. <laughs> Thomas
1: Hardy all over. You know what? I take it back because Hamlet at least is mildly interesting, but like the history ones are awful. Like all the ones about Richard, I never read those. <laughs> I took a class in undergrad on Shakespeare and it was the histories and tragedies and we had to read all of them. So like, let me tell you, I've, I've done it. I've been there. I've suffered as many have <laughs> suffered before me,
0: but... <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. Good job.
1: But like when I was sitting in the Sistine Chapel staring at that ceiling, was I moved? Of course I was. It's gorgeous. You know, like it, I'm not like trying to take away from those things and saying like they're not amazing, but the reasons that they get lauded as canon or as the pinnacle of their art form are almost always just because they were popular
0: mm-hmm.
1: and paid for, you know? So you put, I tried to take a picture of the Sistine Chapel. Did you? I was too afraid because I'm kind of a good intuition. They, really, they really, really don't want you to. About
0: it. <laughs> yeah. And I messed it up because, well, I didn't mess it up. I didn't have a flash because it was old oh, school. And yeah. so it just came out black. And I was like, you know what, Leah, that you deserve that.
1: That's the other, honestly, <laughs> that's the other thing. I didn't have a cell phone because it was long enough ago that yeah. like yeah. I had a cell phone, but it wouldn't have worked in Europe. And so I just had like a, point and shoot camera there was no same. way I was going to be able to take a picture without everyone knowing what was happening so. I was also like 23 I was a yeah. dumbass <laughs> and whatever. um but like if you hold that up to you know Chinese art was like a hundred plus years ahead of its of European stuff at the same time you know like their technology was was massively ahead of us it's so like why do we say these things and not those things again
0: what's just- when I talk. Um, liberation theology and the thing that if you guys are studying theology one thing you'll notice um, is that latin american feminist uh, queer uh, black theology that mm-hmm. are considered quote contextual theologies yeah. and that is uh
1: such an annoying thing for me to well say. and it's just it's and this it's exactly this is why are they contextual and bart isn't 100 percent. have to read bart in context you know it should be like
0: there's theology theology and then there's what y'all are doing in your own little mm-hmm.
1: world and it's like and yeah. you
0: can't you're only talking to your people which if we go back to the black theology is not true at all because there's something to be said yeah you know when james Cohn said uh, what did he say was it God is black or Jesus is black one of the two and people lost their minds mm-hmm. um because they were like no he's well they all the white people were like in our church no, he looks he's very Scandinavian. white and nabian it right he's well he's Palestinian whatever like you know that's yeah but they didn't take the time to kind of think about what he was saying which is that mm-hmm. you know God created um the you know people who were in slavery and that God clearly has a deep, deep connection. And these stories that we get from the Exodus show that God's chosen people were also enslaved. So you know, there is this connection. Yeah. And this feeling that, you know, he God knows what what that's like and embodies that. Yeah.
1: Jesus even says like when you're when you're interacting with poor and oppressed, you're interacting with Jesus. He doesn't say when you're interacting with King so-and-so, that's me. You know, like we need to be more thoughtful about how Jesus wanted us to understand these things too. And, and keep in mind too that I think, and this is my question for you is what, um, because people do tend to say things like black theology is for black people or, Mm -hmm. Um, something like that. And like, if you read it, like that's lovely, but it's not really for you. Yep. So what do you, you as a white person get out of reading black theology?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so the, I would say a lot of who I am, and I joke about Krista being from Colorado, but a lot of who I am as a person is because of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. it affected a lot of so like when I went to school, um, I remember I saw black kids getting beat up, mm-hmm. called, being called terrible names, mm-hmm. um, stuff you can't hardly imagine. And then me going into a classroom, and we had elocution teachers that would come in and say that we wouldn't go to college if we sounded the way that we sounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and than just being a woman just yes. generally yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so when i read some of the stuff from i would say especially uh i did read king for my uh, peace building stuff and my civil Rights stuff and malcolm x as well yeah and i think um i felt really interested in that dynamic because at the time I was supposed to be writing about peace building, but I was angry. Yeah. And I wasn't, I was righteously angry. Um, I was doing stuff in Northern Ireland. I was wrestling with being a woman theologian mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And I, I listened to some of the back and forth between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and how they pitted them against each other, which is just another thing that pisses me off. Yeah. Um, and, As I was listening to them talk, they both had this activism that was based on theology um, that was was different, but it was inspiring in its own way. And so I think with me looking at growing up where I did and feeling not in any way oppressed in the way that African-Americans feel in America, and I'm not claiming that but there were moments where I felt incredibly less than. Yeah. And there were moments where I thought, oh, I want to bridge the gap between those who think I'm less than for gender, geography, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: And then there, there were times where I thought, I want to fight this system and watch it burn to the ground. hmm And so I appreciated those two folks because on any given day. And it was so interesting because I read something. Actually, James Cone, I think, did. Did the biography on those two and um he writes he says they actually kind of evened out at the end
1: they did yeah
0: like they became more like king got upset because things weren't happening fast enough because mm-hmm. malcolm x thought king was um putting black people up uh, to the slaughter basically by the nonviolent stuff and king thought malcolm x was was being too extreme in his mm-hmm. views uh, of wanting change and wanting it fast. And but by the end they'd kind of met in the middle.
1: They had, yeah. Yeah. And
0: so I think that's sort of where where I'm I'm at, at the at the minute. And then another aspect I think would be womanist theology and and um, womanist theology is essentially uh, women African American women yeah. do black theology and yeah. saying, Hey, you haven't spoken to us And I appreciated that because I saw a lot of, you know, um, you know, I remember reading Mary Daly and these Mm -hmm. feminist theologians for the first time and thinking, oh my gosh, like, this is so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that feeling of being included in the conversation, Mm -hmm. how wonderful is that? Yeah. You know, and again growing up where i did women couldn't in the domination, women couldn't be ministers they couldn't speak in tr- they couldn't do this and the idea that she, that you know god was the father always he and all this sort of stuff and that she writes you know beyond god the father and so when the womanist uh when i started reading womanist theology and i was like yes
1: yeah they're
0: they're included in this conversation yeah. like and so while i couldn't feel what they felt i felt that mm-hmm. i had experienced an experience that was somewhat similar in the inclusion yeah yeah that's so that's my answer that's So great. a little bit of social activism yep hot-headedness as we've talked about before <laughs> versus calming my ass down and then also like being included in the conversation
1: yeah. i think yeah i think that's great i like it i think um and this is where like i when i Look back on my first encounters with black theology and James Cohn specifically. i and also I read Malcolm X's autobi or is it an autobiography biography? I can't remember. Um well, there's one that's about the both of them that i
0: I really think James Cohn wrote
1: it. But, we... but I think there's just it's just about Malcolm X. now I can't remember oh, if okay. he wrote it or if it's a biography. So this is like a normal thing to know. It's just left my brain because of my three shots of tequila, which <laughs> by the way. Say. I can very much taste the cuticula at this point.
0: You like my like <laughs> when I just start using emotion words instead of describing things
1: that's
0: when <laughs> you know the has said we're it. down
1: at the bottom. I'm like, oh this is <laughs> so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> um but I read it in high school and I remember being like that man sounds really angry and like and I felt the same way about James Cohn. So like my first thing is that I feel like I have to always preface this with like My first encounters with Black Theology were not... I was not listening. Mm. Like, I put it on myself. It was nothing with it. Like, you know, but I was not listening. I did not have good opinions of it. I was like, this is too extreme. And honestly, a lot of it had to do with, I think, a feeling of not liking that I was the bad guy in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And getting defensive about it. Because I had a few Black friends when I was growing up, but I grew up in very white spaces. So there weren't a lot of Black people. And the people that I was friends with that were Black were probably code-switching a ton, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, again, in retrospect, I feel terrible about that. But I, I honestly didn't know about code-switching to begin with. I didn't realize, like, how uncomfortable it must have been for them in these places. Like, there were Four black kids in my high school class. What? Like what? my class was only a hundred students, but I think there were only four. What? It was like I said, really, really white. You know.
0: Was this in Colorado or Ohio no? This was, Ohio? was in Ohio. Okay. Ohio, in Akron.
1: Kate, don't bark again. I'm having a serious conversation.
0: Come here. She's um. she's raging against the, um, all the oppression.
1: She's like. What She's like, no, don't get me back
0: know. to
1: Ohio, mom. Ohio is terrible. No, I was in Akron, Ohio, which is not an especially white place, but I was at a private school. Um. So, hey, stop it. No. Um, anyway, and, then, keeps, like, our and then I went to college in Greeley, Colorado, which is super white. <laughs> I know. Um. So just, I just, I didn't know. And I wasn't around again these is all the kind of excuses but um, so my first encounters were not great but then I came back to it years later and I was reading through Cone and I was like a I totally misread all of this the first time and b like I think black theology has a sense of hope that is terribly missing from a lot of the like systematic theology that you read Mm. and maybe because of what we've been talking about but I don't know there you get a lot especially with like the reformed theology of like God is uh, punishing us for things um or you know don't don't do x y or z worry about losing your salvation all this kind of stuff where it's like I just have to live in this kind of state of fear in Mm. my life. And black theology is so beautiful in its sense of like, God is for us Mm -hmm. and God relates to us. God's suffered with us. Um, All of that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is so much more accurate. This is, this is understanding God in the world, rather than being like, you have to be perfect to really okay. relate to God. And that kind of sense of perfection was really hard for me to get over for a long time. And so I was able to both kind of recognize the ways that I had failed to listen to Black people for a long time, but also to be like, honestly, this is saving my faith in a lot of ways because it's not that kind of doom and gloom mm. fire and brimstone stuff that you get from so many calvinists and <laughs> again it's still a small percentage calvinists so it you know there's still stuff, hanging on but yeah it's just not it's not so deeply depressing <laughs> well, <laughs> even yeah. if it's talking about depressing stuff there's a sense yeah. of hope that that is so important
0: yeah, and if your life is um you know, whether it's civil war, reconstruction, civil rights, or twenty twenty four, like mm-hmm. there's still oppression happening and you have to have a you have to have a sense of hope in the midst of this. Yeah. I mean that's what drew the OG black theologians, even yep. if they called that and what continues to. And I think, you know, I <clears throat> grew up a little bit um and i mean i was still in north georgia but it was a little more diverse than that and then moved to atlanta and it was just you know living in atlanta going to seminary you couldn't really yeah. escape at all black theology it was you know i lived across the street literally from the martin luther king memorial yeah. Um, oh my gosh. yeah i would go study uh at his grave which has a little fountain around it mm-hmm. um but I think with that, it can make you a little bit – and I played basketball growing up, so – a bit. there was – and there was a lot of people of color um, yeah. on my team. Um, but, like, I think in a way it can make you uh, – the opposite of that is it can make you a bit lazy and complacent because you're like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I knew my best friend was, you know, a Latina – uh, woman and remains a, a best friend, you know. So, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I. I don't have to deal with you know, or you know. Of course, I'm not. I played basketball, so of course, I'm not racist or whatever. Right. And it, you kind of miss, you know. I went to Atlanta to a Baptist seminary where all these civil rights people who walked with King taught me theology, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I don't have to dig too deep into my own stuff. Yeah. And I think so. Um instead of sort of uh, being scared of it, I just sort of uh, got lazy in it I think, yeah. in some ways. And so when I revisited some of the stuff, I was like, wow, I'm, I wasn't really engaging in that in the way that I should taking mm-hmm. it to the level that I should like, yeah. And I think, and really examining my own self. And um, another thing about growing up Southern is uh, unless you're just a right wing, you know, Person yeah. who lives or a person who's very sheltered, you kind yeah. of grow up knowing that you're part of the problem. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it really gets driven home a lot, yeah. To the point that we get a little sensitive about it, I think. Um, yeah. That you're like the, that, the dumb I, redneck that talks, yeah, that hates black people, and I think for that reason, you know, it can. That wasn't me growing up. I, I was very lucky with my parents who were not like that at all. Um, but those kind of folks, I could see them being when people vote certain ways in the South and people mm-hmm. can't believe they voted. you yeah, I can. yeah, you know, they want to ban this book on the civil rights well, you know, if you get taught that you're the bad guy from when you're young, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying it's what I think, but yeah. I can see those people and I can.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's it the sucks. thing. is like I, in retrospect, I'm so grateful for the people in my life who were putting these things in, in my path, even when I wasn't reacting well to them at the time because they stuck with me, you know, and kind of in the reverse, if you're raised in Colorado, you're. Part of the like, we weren't even a state during the Civil War. So, like, <laughs> it's not our fault. Look, know?
0: don't try to get out of this. You're in this <laughs> with me. Georgia was totally blameless. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's it's like, we, you know, it's, it's, we were, we were like somehow kind of told we were the good guys, you know, the South was mm. the problem, the North was not, we're not either, but. We, so, we don't get to be the problem. You know, like, I know there was a very, it's those white people were the problem, but I'm a good white person. And I just,
0: and I had black and friends. I'm like, I wish I could tell you how to, not that I'm like the Southern translator, but like, I wish I could just go to them and whisper in their ear and be like, look, guys, this is what you need to do. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, again, I had black friends. So, there was just a lot of my, my, the way I was growing up thinking, like, I'm fine. And then I read these books and I, they were like, here are the problems with white people. And I was like, how dare you? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm the good one. So, but, but again, that kind of confront confrontation was important for me to have, you know? Um, And like, it took me a bit to get to a place where I was willing to listen, but eventually I did. And now I can be more aware of the ways that I have been racist in my life and the kinds of things that I, you know, made, probably uncomfortable for some of my black friends because I didn't take into consideration their experiences or anything like that. Cause I was just like, Oh, we're all friends. It's fine. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so- and that was
0: the, I think the, yeah, the late. I mean, even and and how we still participate, which I think is something that the theologians talk about. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I go to the super liberal Christian church here in Charlotte that's multi- Cultural ish, yeah. I would yeah. say. Um, and but then you know, you start talking to when we were buying a house, real estate agents, mm-hmm. you want to get a real interesting view on how racism still exists.
1: Yeah, oh, talk yeah,
0: to your local real estate agent.
1: Yep, yep, and the it guys. was
0: so interesting because, like, her I felt like Stuart, who's from the UK. Maybe the whitest place on the face of the
1: truly, truly the whitest. <laughs> and for Scotland, place. sorry, I, should say. I again, you've heard now how many people <laughs> I got to Scotland, and I was like, "Where are the black people?"
0: My mother said that when she went, to Scotland. <laughs> she looked around, she was like, "Everyone's white," <laughs> like she was like, "Was was." flabbergasted it's
1: (laughs) the whitest white and it's also somehow like more shockingly white because they're so pale they're so (laughs) pale they're so pale um
0: but yeah so you still like i would sort of have to to do a little bit of a translation sometimes i'm like well this is what that person meant when they Uh said this about the real estate and i was like and afterwards i thought about it i was like oh god we're still doing this Mm -hmm. you know still it's still happening. I'm talking about education and all that sort of stuff, like these schools are the good, schools. you know. Like yep. it's, just, mm-hmm. it's yep. a lot, and so I think it's something that you know a lot of people are like, "Well, we don't need this sort of theology anymore because we've we've, we've gone this far." It. We haven't. It's we like haven't. no, yeah, we have. We absolutely haven't. And you know, that's the same for queer theology, feminist theology, yep. etc. Like, uh, you, you we're we're not.
1: It's a it's Forever. It's forever. It's yeah. Forever. Until, until we stop calling all of these theologies by a, an adjective there or we, we start saying like German theology, you know, white man theology. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> white,
0: No, white theology. Uh, there's a chapter in a book that I will find that's called white theology. White yeah. theology.
1: Mm-hmm, but like yep. until we, it's one or the other you still have to keep doing this. And and I think. Shout too- out
0: to Pete ends I have a shirt that before I had met Pete ends, He does the Bible for normal people. Mm-hmm. And I have a shirt that says all theology has an adjective.
1: Yes. Which is exactly true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us to keep in mind. Like how we allow. Those theologies. To speak to us. Even if they aren't giving us. Direct things. Right. Like. Um, one of the other things I feel like I keep trying to do is to make sure that I'm reading stuff not just because I'm like oh I need them to edify my life in some way mm-hmm. but like just so that I can learn from somebody who's different from me mm-hmm. and to keep diversifying all of that so like it's not necessarily helpful for me to to learn about like like you know the the ways that indigenous religions in Korea have mixed with Christianity but it's still good for me to learn about it you know um, yeah
0: and like my my mom said something I won't say what it was but it was like uh, Chris- Christmas and like I said my parents have been very they were sort of my saving grace in the midst of the south yeah like because they were they have their own stuff but ultimately they were this sort of they had their head right
1: on yeah the yeah
0: and, um, but I remember she said something at Christmas and it was to her revolutionary to me, common knowledge, like common knowledge. Yeah. And it wasn't her being dumb. It was a social thing. Yeah. And she had just, you could tell she had just accepted that this was real for her. And I said, mom, you know what? That's awesome. I said, be a little gentle with yourself. That's okay. It's okay to be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Like, and it's not about everything. Because there are those moments where people need to either shut shut the f- up or yeah. stop doing things. Quit killing people. Quit, you know, shooting people or whatever. And then there's sometimes when you get this light on. Mm-hmm. And when, especially some of the older generation get that light on, there's a moment I think that we can take cause we're all social justice workers. We all want think we want things to change so fast, yeah. but to just give them space to sit in it. Yeah. For a minute. And to be, you know, cause it's a bigger deal in some ways for them cause they didn't have this. Yeah. And if yeah. they did, they weren't reading it. Yep. They weren't. I mean, my cone was writing during, you know, they, the, my parents were, um, uh, a bit young for the civil rights movement, but they still had the re- the the aftermath, you know. But anyway, I just yeah. I think, and again, this is not excusing people to be assholes. That's no, what not I'm at saying. all. But
1: it is saying like we all. I mean, if you want people to learn, you have to give them the space to learn. You can't just yell at them all the time, you know.
0: I think I learned that from Northern Ireland is like yeah, with the Protestants and Catholics. It's like you got to let they already. You got to let them have space to make small steps. And it's Mm -hmm. frustrating as ever loving hell.
1: But, like, because you're like, why don't you know this already? But if you are, I mean, just think about literally any small child learning something. If you were like, how did you not know that already? Like, they're encountering something for the first time and you're mad at them about it. (laughs) Maybe they didn't seek it out. You know? Right. Uh,
0: Yeah. Anyway. We're at the end, guys. Thanks. <laughs> the, the the tequila is definitely talking <laughs> at this stage. But I did want you to say the book. Um, this is not a hard one. The book that you think was the most influential, either in womanist or black theology, as we exit, that you would recommend Katie's
1: Canon. This is an easy one for me. Read Katie's Canon. It's great. It's a collection of essays, or I'll buy her. Um, and... and we'll put this on the Instagram along with. Yes. The, the book by Octavia
0: that I mentioned earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And some other books I think that have kind of like helped me along the way. We'll put them all up. But Katie's Canon is my favorite. It's um, like I said, it's a bunch of essays and she wrote it because her students said that this was like the stuff that they learned the most from. Um, so she put the, the collection together like in dedication to her students, which is super sweet. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic look at a lot of the stuff we've talked about, she goes through again, chattel slavery stuff and, um, Zora Neale Hurston and then civil rights and all that. She talks a bit about, um, MLK as well in there. So what about you? The
0: cross and lynching tree.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. It's one that I don't necessarily think it's, it's like the best of the best, um, for everybody. It's kind of
1: like a foundational text.
0: Okay, then it is the best of the best. Well, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it's like
1: you have to start there.
0: Yeah, it was, I'm, um, I, like, I also read, is it Thurman, Olga good go, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Thurman Marshall? The Thurman Marshall. That's right. Uh, so I read that for my PhD. But I will say, I think the, um, uh, the Lynching Tree book, it just hit me. One, because of, again, just the title yeah and what it, that's by james Cohn, by the way guys yes. and um also this idea of because i didn't really get when he was making these statements like you know because i hadn't yet got into like queer god and disabled god and that mm-hmm. you know, folks had written about and i didn't understand when he said about you know jesus is black or god is black or whatever mm-hmm. i didn't quite get what, what he was meant? being said yeah um, and reading that, and reading about the suffering and the suffering of uh, African American people mm-hmm. and slaves, and how God shares in that suffering, and as a result, there's that connection. Yeah, just to me, like, uh, really solidified that understanding of, you know, when then I I read Nancy Island, the Disabled God, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it was foundational in that sense of like. Oh, the queer God. Okay, yeah. yeah. like Marcella, no, I mean I, I get it yeah because
1: because well he, obviously he's not the first black the- theologian he is like really kind of important starting point when you're talking about black theology specifically. and that book is important too. So yeah, so that would be fine. Good. It's both solid, but yeah, we'll put up some black some theology research? recommendations. Sure.
0: Kelly Brown Douglas, I don't know if we mentioned. Oh yeah, Kelly
1: Brown Douglas is fabulous. M. Sean Copeland is also great. Yeah, we'll
0: put up some, well, you're going to get a Instagram stories overload.
1: You are. And now
0: I'm going to go talk to my husband about, about when I say normal life, I mean non-theology life Putting
1: cats in freezers.
0: (laughs) Putting my cats in freezers. (laughs) We're going to watch Love is Blind probably. Same. Oh, I'm so excited. It's in Charlotte yay.
1: It is a It is a drama fest. That's well, sure.
0: I am ready. And so it's going to be hard. It's always hard when we do our podcast and we've been drinking and then I have to go talk to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I want to be like, fight the
0: power. <laughs> yes. and he, he, he usually has just gotten off work and he's like, I he's just like, want to
1: decompress. And you're like, we have to start listening to public enemy immediately. <laughs>
0: Like, why did I do this?
1: (laughs) You knew what you were getting into, sir. He loves it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll be back next week with something totally different. Yeah. I have an (laughs) I
0: have an idea. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye. Bye.